Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week, we're reviewing episode 83, Pride. As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened in the Attack on Titan anime, so you've been warned. <laughs> are you happy i feel like you should be the happiest attack on titan fan in existence because levi i mean he was back last episode but he's mm -hmm. back levi is back no it was just nice hearing his calm soothing voice again despite it being under so many mummy wraps <laughs> I, I think you were talking about last week how can this guy even breathe I know or... it's over his nose and mouth. Um, I'm surprised he can he can breathe properly. Unless they're really thin layers of like the bandage wraps, but yeah, I'm just glad that Levi is okay. And he's I like that the first thing that comes out of his mouth is like where'd that shithead go? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> where is Zeke? <laughs> Zeke. Uh, and I'm equally happy because right now I'm looking at uh, a new figure of Levi that just came in. I think I talked about this in a previous episode, uh, but it's Levi in his season four gear um, with the upgraded ODM gear and like the, the stealth the stealth suit underneath. And he is pretty short. <laughs> I'm just realizing. I don't know if that's just the, that's how they compromise on the, the price of the figure, but it is a definitely it is definitely a short Levi. It's a nice figure. I think the the quality is good for the price point and the facial details are really nice. For me, the face on an anime figure can make or break the figure for me. Like that that's how I decide whether or not to buy it is based on how accurate the face is. And this one looks really good. We posted um, a picture on our Instagram story as well as on our Discord server. So if you're not part of the Discord server, the link is in the description so you can join and you can see that picture there as well as all the other things that we talk about, especially around Attack on Titan. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a nice figure. And I wonder, because you mentioned it, he looks short. I wonder if there are other figures along in the same line and if you were to buy them, would they be taller than Levi? I would hope so. I would want them to be height accurate. Yeah, I don't know if there are any other figures in this line because, again, it's it's based on the season four um, Levi Ackerman. And I don't think I saw... I know there's like a an Aaron one, but I don't know if it's by the same company. I think this figure is by Bandai. Uh, so I don't know if there's any other ones in this line that will kind of be proportionate to Levi's, like his his height. It would be kind of funny if like you have like a Hanj next to him and she's way taller or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's a good looking figure. I think you're still waiting on that shirtless Aaron, right? Yes. Um, I ordered that from a different retailer and they haven't really provided updates uh, compared to, I think I got this off the Crunchyroll store. And they honestly, they didn't give me any updates. The package just showed up outside our house uh, over the weekend. <laughs> Um, but hopefully that'll be soon because it, it says now it's estimated to ship. Oh, it said it was estimated to ship February and today uh, as of now this recording, <laughs> yeah, it's March 1st. So probably going to push it back again. Supply chain issues. What are you going to do? Yeah. I've been waiting for some figures for like eight months now. Um, Kikyo from Inuyasha finally arrived, but I'm still waiting on the rest of those figures like Sashomaru, Inuyasha, Kagome. But yeah, it's, it's been disappointing, but we all have to live with it. You know what's not disappointing, though? Do tell. Patrons. 
<laughs> and we have right. a new patron. We'd love to give a huge shout out to our newest member of our Patreon community, Jasmine M. Ooh. Woohoo! Thank you so, so much, Jasmine, for joining and supporting the Strictly Series of Podcasts. We seriously appreciate it. Um, your generosity, it means the world to us. And uh, yeah. Yeah, thank you for joining the Strictly Patron fam, Jasmine. You indeed have imbued us with a sense of pride. <laughs> I also noted that you are a big Star Wars fan, so may the Force be with you as well. Nice, nice. <laughs> well, if you'd like to support the show and get access to things like our bonus episodes and our pre-show where we talk about all sorts of things, um, our show schedule so you can know what we're going to be talking about on the podcast in the next month or so. Um, if you want to submit questions for us to answer on our podcast and in our patron-only Q&A, then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series. And in related news, in terms of support, thank you everyone for helping us reach 50 Spotify ratings for Strictly Anime. Wow. That's a huge milestone. We are now working towards 100 ratings on Spotify. But Spotify recently added a bell icon. They just kind of slipped mm -hmm. that in. I didn't get like, usually they'll email podcasters about new features. And they didn't say anything about this one. At least I don't think so. So yeah, I just, I logged on to Spotify. I looked at our podcast and I saw a bell icon because it, it seems like they're trying to emulate that stuff over at YouTube. You know, smash that like button, hit that <laughs> bell icon to be notified. Now we can start saying that stuff here as podcasters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they're just trying to emulate YouTube, copy YouTube, but... It is what it is. Um, it's funny because there's a, a reference to bells in this episode, the, like the, the the stomping of the titans as like sounding like the bells of freedom. Oh, well, there you go. This yeah. is well, Spotify's this is bell of a, freedom. You know, it's just a bell icon. It's not like a, a titan foot. But yeah, just make sure to click that. Um, so you can be notified of when our episodes go live. Yeah, if you go on the Strictly Anime page on your Spotify app, iOS or Android, um, next to the follow button, there's the bell icon. So hit the follow button, hit the bell icon so you can be notified as soon as our episodes go live. Because sometimes, depending on our schedule, it may go live a few hours later than normal or once in, in a blue moon. We have an episode that'll go live maybe like a day or two late. So this helps you to stay up to date on when our episodes actually do come out. Um, and then, yeah, you'll be you'll be notified as intended by the bell icon. I think it's handy. I I use it on a couple other podcasts that I follow. Last thing before we jump into our discussion for episode 83, I wanted to clarify something that I mentioned in our discussion for episode 82, our previous Attack on Titan episode. I think we were talking about whether or not Annie knew that um, Armin had eaten Bertolt and inherited the colossal titan power i think i told courtney that he mentioned this to her when he was talking to her in the crystal uh, back in part one but i was reviewing the dialogue from the episodes where he's talking to her and i don't think he mentioned it directly although i feel like it's probably implied that at some point when armin was going on those dates with her <laughs> while those she was in dates. the crystal that he probably would have mentioned it at some point because um, i think he talks about the the invasion of marley and like all the destruction that they caused and i feel like he wouldn't have left out the detail of him causing that destruction um and thereby identifying himself as the colossal titan so just wanted to clear that up 
Yeah, that's interesting. I, I feel like, um, to your point, yeah, at some at some point, someone probably said something that tipped Annie off, if that alone didn't do the job. But maybe we'll get a conversation in the next episode about, you know, Bertolt being eaten by Armin, because I, I'm mm-hmm. sure Annie has things she wants to talk to um, Reiner about and talk to Armin about. And yeah, who knows? Maybe Armin even confesses feelings to her at some point thinking that she didn't hear any of it. That would be fun. No. I would love to watch that conversation <laughs> unfold. But I'm curious to know, what were your thoughts on on this episode? Because this one had that same nostalgic feel, but it was kind of a wild episode. Not in like the epic sense, just like in all the shit that was happening in this episode. Yeah, originally I thought this was just going to be, not let it's a filler episode, but <laughs> I was going to say like, like a nothing episode um, because... It was so focused on you know, WWC, WWCD, what would Connie do? Um, and then we see that, and I think we both kind of predicted that you know Connie would have a change of heart. But then this Nothing episode pretty quickly turns into something in the second half as we find out uh, another like anime scheme going on um, within Shiganshina. Um, and you have these new alliances and these new allegiances. And I want to say, like, the, again, this episode goes from nothing to screaming, like, Avengers vibes towards it was, the end. It was the Avengers Assemble episode. Yeah. That's what this was. It <laughs> felt super, like, the end of it just felt like superhero moment. Mm-hmm. It was It was exciting, but a little bit out of place. I don't know. Something about it was just interesting. Like, don't get me wrong. I I love that this episode hit me right in the nostalgia because the gang's all back together. This is the revival of the original cadets, the OG squad, the the scouts. And I've been saying, or we've been saying for the past several episodes, how it feels like the original scouts are growing smaller and smaller. Even in the last episode where it was just Mikasa and, and John left. But now they're all back. I mean the ones who are alive anyway, minus Aaron. Like, they're all back together, and it's kind of a a holy shit moment. Yeah, and obviously it's a strange dynamic because even though they all grew up as cadets together, obviously Annie and Reiner revealed themselves as as quote-unquote traitors to parodies. Um, And then you have, of course, Gabby and Falco um, in the mix. But I think it's interesting because this dynamic really emphasizes the phrase the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Just showing you the extent to how Aaron's activating of the rumbling and his, I guess, his erratic nature at this point has caused people who would have never allied with each other to actually join together as one and, and I guess, assemble, right? (laughs) Yeah, I I do want to say that um, there were some plot points that were almost too convenient most notably the fact that annie just so happened to be sitting next to armin and connie and just so happened to be willing to join them when she was like super suspicious of hitch and was like so scared she was gonna get found and like killed or something that just seemed a little convenient and then i'll bring Mm. this up later but just the fact that the scouts and marley joined forces when they were in two completely different locations and did so in one night, that seems a little convenient as well. But again, we'll we'll get to that part in in a little bit. I just think like there were some there were some plot points that were too convenient, 
but I was okay with overlooking them because everyone was back together. <laughs> it just sounds like Code Geass anime scheming with no like, <laughs> rhyme or reason. Yeah, that, that happened a couple times in Code Geass, I, I won't deny. I also kind of felt like the episode all around was sort of predictable, but it still had me on the edge of my seat because you never truly know with Isayama and his writing. And because... Like, we're so emotionally invested in these characters after basically growing up with them over the last eight years or so that even if we can all predict that Connie was going to save Armin from jumping in his mom Titan's mouth, there's still a small part of me that's like, I can't even fathom that happening. I don't want that to happen. I'm freaking out right now. I mean, I was sitting next to you on the couch and I had like my hands in the air. I'm like, no, don't do it. Yeah, I I knew that Connie was... A fucking idiot but i didn't think he was gonna go full idiot <laughs> thankfully he didn't like he stuck true to his morals and like i, I was like more concerned for armin of course because i don't know if he thought that feeding himself to uh connie's mother was for the greater good but it's like no armin you have so much more to live for. So also, Armin is far more valuable than Connie's right. mom to the the greater good of the world. No, no offense to Connie's mom, but I don't think she knows how to lead a, an army. Basically, mm-hmm. with all that said, though, let's go ahead and assemble together as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for Attack on Titan: The Final Season, Episode Eighty Three, Pride. Metal Gear Hanj boosts her sniping skills by taking out the last of her and low-health Levi's Jaegerist pursuers and tends to his acromangled wounds while lamenting about how hard it is to be a gangsta. After being looped into Eren's Zoom conference call and learning of Operation DualShock rumbling, the pair propose an alliance with Peak the Putrid and Commander Maggot, united over their hatred of Zeke's Christ, though I'm sure most of the hate comes from the shortest person out of the four. Over in Ragakuten Village, Connie Boy has a crisis of conscience in deciding whether or not to prepare a Falco feast for his Titan mother when Armin and Gung-Ho Gabby arrive, and the blonde-haired Brainiac intervenes by offering to feed her an Armin and a Leg dinner special. Connie saves his comrade in the Niccolo of Time after deciding to stay true to his duties and morals as the scout's resident clown commando. They all celebrate by grabbing some grub without his Titan mother anyways, where a chance encounter with a ferocious female titan feeding her face hole reunites Armin with his waifu from a different laifu. Back in Chigan Shonen Jump District, Mikasa takes her scarf back from her dying number one fan and gives absolutely zero fucks, while Waka Floka enlists Johnny Boy to execute Yelena and Onion Coupon for their supposed crimes against Eldiamanity. Instead, the horsehead pulls a stormtrooper move and fires four shots into the ground, secretly signaling Peak's cart titan to rescue him and the two volunteers from fuckboy fluckboy's wrath and rendezvous back with Metal Gear Hanj, Low Health Levi, and Commander Maggot. Mikasa and Connie's convoy take heed of the shots as well to get the hell out of Dodge, picking up a sleepy Reiner on the way so he can wake the fuck up, Samurai, we've got a world to save. LD Avengers, assemble. Dude, that opening scene with Hanj crying as she shoots the Jaegerus. Like, that was so heartbreaking. Because in this moment, she's choosing her own and Levi's safety over everything else, even if it means having to kill the people that she probably helped train. Although it reminded me of when Levi just killed his comrades kind of indiscriminately in their Titan form. 
back when Zika transformed them. Oh, that's true. He but, had a lot of pain going on in his face too. Yeah, I feel like like Levi though is able to reconcile with that, but it's obviously harder for Hanj because she's not as cold as Levi is. Yeah, and they're still in human form. Like it's it's right. kind of one thing to to mentally accept that okay, they're in Titan form and there's very very little chance that they can be saved. The Jaegerists could technically or potentially be saved if they could just like have their minds open to mm-hmm. the the full situation at hand. But ultimately Hanj is a real one because she saves Levi and yeah, he's here. He's back. You and know, I have you know a... what? I, I kind of ship them. Like after watching this moment, I was like, you know, I'd be okay if they were a couple. Really? Interesting. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't know if I ship them, but I love their friendship because he'll never admit that he's friends with Hanj, mm. but Hanj is basically the closest friend he has. I mean, think about all that she's done for him and vice versa too. I feel like he's saved her ass a number of times when she runs off to go investigate a Titan and wants to learn more and then she's about to get killed. Mm-hmm. So they have like this really interesting dynamic, but okay, that's fair if you ship them. I do have a question though for you. How does it feel to see Levi shirtless for the first time? Unless we have seen him shirtless and I just don't remember. Mm, well, I've seen him shirtless on the Levi body pillow. I have. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I guess canonically in universe, if this is the first time, even though he's in a sad state, my boy's looking good. <laughs> and just what a blessing to hear his voice again, even though it's just so labored. Uh, and again, he's he's having to talk through these bandages. But I just, I took that as like a confirmation that he is he is okay. Because in the uh, post credit scene of the last episode, we just saw him, it seemed like in a comatose state. But I'm just glad that he is alive sentient conscious and able to later on go have this negotiation with magath and peak and he lost his fingers we saw that we were kind of like oh god are those his fingers and yes they were his fingers he doesn't have two fingers (laughs) i guess it's better than the finger thing in demon slayer from this past season oh god oh my god yeah (laughs) oh horrible horrible um, but in the, the beginning of the scene, Han just kind of talking what she believes to, to herself. And she mentions, she says it's all up to Armin or Pixies. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. She doesn't know what mm-hmm. has happened to Pixies. He ain't here anymore. Um, and then she says, looks like my turn has come, even if I thought I did the right thing. And I asked you about this before we started recording because I wasn't quite sure what she was talking about. At first, I thought she was talking about Erwin because he was in the same position before her and eventually succumbed to death and had to deal with all of the heavy and difficult decisions that that position entails. And so I thought that she was saying like, it looks like my turn has come because now I have to make difficult decisions and I'm likely to die. But then you said it was probably something else because of the quick flash that we got of some dude who I can't remember. Yeah. So as she's talking about how her role has kind of changed you see a quick flash of, I believe, his last name was Sans, S-A-N-N-E-S. I think season three, part two, he was a soldier from the military police um, that Hans had tortured for more information on, like, what the hell's really happening in the world. Um, And I found a clip on YouTube of the thing he says to Hans from that uh, shot of him as it flashes through the screen. 
Um, he says next in line, this role of ours, there's an order to it. When one's role is done, another steps in to start the act again, and thus the world can never be rid of it. And I think within the context of what Hanja's saying right now, she's commenting on the fact that she is now on the run, and it's the Jaegerists who are in power, whereas back then in Season 3, Part 2, uh, the scouts had helped overthrow the government, and they were the ones in the positions of power where Sans was kind of like her, like a, her right now, a fugitive and so now she's taken on that role where, um, like, her life is on the line if she gets found out by the Jaegerists. And again, it's, it's that other comment about the, the cycle of violence be, uh, beginning once again within parodies where it was everyone's goal to kind of break out of that cycle to, to establish Eldia or, like, to establish, El, uh, <laughs> to establish parodies as having like diplomatic relations with the world. So I guess there are many ways that you can interpret what Hanj is saying. That's interesting. And yeah, I think that Hanj, Hanj has been kind of thrust into this position similar to, to Armin um, before they were really truly ready to take it on. Um, and it's, it's tough waters to navigate, I'm sure. But then Levi's there and his goal is like ironclad. The first thing he says when he wakes up is where the fuck is Zeke <laughs> or that the beast Titan or whatever the fuck Where'd he says. Where'd that shithead go? <laughs> and then the first thing he says to Magath and Peak is my only goal is to kill Zeke. Like he, he is one track mind at this point, but in the best way. <laughs> Although his record against Zeke is what? Like I would say two or two and one, <laughs> right? The first Beast Titan battle. Yeah. Uh, from... Or maybe it's 3-1. Because, yeah, there's that first Beast Titan battle in Season 3. You could technically say when uh, the scouts in, uh, infiltrated Marley. And they kind of, like, fake fought. Yeah. Technically, yeah. And the third would have been in the forest. But then Levi's only loss is when Zeke uh, and hero <laughs> <laughs> And took Zeke down with him, so or he, tried to yeah. anyway. He has a winning record against Zeke, I would say. Uh, but I think he, after that last bout, he wants some vengeance. And do you remember when Levi said something about eating Zeke eventually? Something like that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, I don't remember the exact quote, but that was from part one of season four, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was from the part one of the final se- of this final season. Um, reading briefly, he says he is the type of person who wants to savor his meal before the last bite. And I think we were wondering, <laughs> is that foreshadowing that like that Levi is going to become a titan and eat Zeke? I don't know. Like, we'll we'll see, but it could be foreshadowing. I don't know. All we know is that Levi is hell bent on being the ultimate victor <laughs> in this <laughs> feud against uh, Zeke Yeager. The exchange between um, Marley being Magneth and Peak and uh, Paradis, Levi, and Hanj was interesting because both sides are equally taking risks here. Like, I don't think one is at an advantage. Like, both sides are on equal footing, and they're both equally distrusting of one another. But Levi ultimately says, like, you can shoot me if you want, or you can trust me if you want. Um, so it's, it's good to see that they all kind of aligned on their goals and decided to help each other. Yeah. It's just so coincidental that their goals again to defeat Zeke are, are the same now. Um, the well, other thing I caught about this scene that I kind of thought about just cause Hanj has an eye patch, would she kind of be like 
the Nick Fury of this moment in assembling the Avengers. Oh. She says, like, we must use our powers to, to take Aaron down. Oh. Then, <laughs> I don't know, that was just a stupid thing. Do you I think Levi's going to need an eye patch? His eye got fucked up. Actually, I saw somewhere on Twitter where, like, is this spoilers? Eye, no, oh, but okay. the, the eye that each Levi and Han respectively lost is like opposite. Oh, so if they fuse together, <laughs> then they'll either have two eyes or no eyes. Yeah, <laughs> or it was some, the the tweet was something cheesy like, um, "I'll be your eyes." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> or we'll be each other's eyes. <laughs> Again, that's where I also got like, "Oh, I kind of ship them." <laughs> um, I also noticed from this uh, opening sequence that Peek seems to feel a little bit threatened by Hanj because she calls Hanj the Titan expert and that she knows even more about Titans than Marley does. And I feel like that's because Peek is usually the most intelligent person in the room, or at least the most intelligent when it comes to like battle strategy. So I wonder if this is like some sort of foreshadowing for some distrust down the road between Peek and Hanj. Although Hanj is so happy-go-lucky that maybe she'll be able to swerve around that. Yeah, Hans is just curious. She's like, so funny. <laughs> I don't think she would have like used the intelligence for nefarious means. Yeah, like, I don't think so either. I think she just wants to learn about Titans. But then we move into the next scene, which I think is the, like, the post-opening scene. And it's Connie and Falco, and they're hanging out in the woods, and Connie... He's like contemplating a lot of things, including like why Falco is so trusting of him. And I'm like, same question. I have the same question, but it's just because Falco is such a good boy. But then Connie asks out loud, you know, Sasha, what would you have done? And I was like, oh, no, it hurts in the feels. That was just so sad to hear him ask that. And I think Falco, even though he's sleeping, he later mentions that he, he overheard these things that Connie was saying, right? Yeah. And props to Falco for keeping his his shock under wraps and also just connie you're an idiot for just speaking out loud yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just had these internal thoughts and now you're you're kind of revealing your intentions to the person that you're trying to usurp or or betray yeah and speaking of betraying connie then takes falco to um ragako mm -hmm. his his hometown and Falco realizes it, and he says, I heard you talk about Sasha, and then Connie keeps the facade up by saying that he just wants Falco to help brush the Titan's teeth because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and then you get that Connie face, and that Connie face has now become an emoji on our Discord server <laughs> because <laughs> that is uh, that is an interesting face. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the Yelena face from however many episodes ago. Which is also an emoji on our Discord <laughs> server, including the Aaron scream from the oh, opening right. sequence, uh, or from the opening, um, like the OP visuals. That that's also an emoji. <laughs> I realize now there, there are two like toothbrush jokes or brushing teeth jokes in this episode. There's this one, and I think Hans later asks Peek in her cart Titan form, like, "How do you brush your teeth?" Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> so and that brings up a good point. Like, do Titans need to worry about hygiene, or do they just live? Because it's not like they mm. actually consume when they eat, but do they need to do anything like that? Well, Connie's mother has just been lying on this house for, what, four, four years now? She still yeah. looks the same. Um, so I don't think like they have to keep any sort of hygiene. Probably not, but maybe Connie does it just 
just because he wants to take care of his mother. Yeah. Or he could have just been pulling some shit out of his ass and just saw these two broomsticks and was like, hey, help me brush yeah, this yeah, Titan's that, teeth. That, yeah, also, that was not very convincing. <laughs> I know. But Connie is an idiot. And he even admits it when Gabby and Armin show up. And then he's telling them to back off and that he wants to save his mom. And then he says to Armin, a know-it-all wouldn't know how idiots work. And I'm like, I love that he at least accepts the fact that he's a <laughs> stupid guy. <laughs> but then Armin, um, I think as Connie is climbing up that ladder with Falco, Armin has a flashback flashback of Erwin. And I'm like wanting to get some clarity on that. Is it... Armin not sure what to do, and then he has like a, a flashback of Erwin really quick and realizes like I'm in a position of power, I have to take action here. Or how did you interpret him thinking about Erwin in that moment? I think he says later, again, like being self-defeating, he says something like, I could never be as strong as the commander. Um, so I think here it was Armin kind of finding his out because he he thinks like he has no control over the situation. He can't be the leader that everyone expected him to be. Uh, and so kind of like he was, I guess he was kind of like giving up on his dreams and dying. Oh, okay. That's a good point. That that makes sense. Cause I was trying to gra- like understand why he thought about Erwin in that moment. But yes, that makes sense. Like he probably doesn't think he can live up to Erwin's legacy and probably thinks he's not worthy of having this titan power and blah, blah, blah. And then he decides to pull a Reiner. Yeah. Um, and I think this is the first time we're seeing um, Erwin in Mappa form as Yeah, well. some people didn't like it. I saw on Twitter people were kind of like, what did they do to my boy? <laughs> <laughs> I think he looks fine, except his eyebrows aren't big enough. Oh, Erwin's right. eyebrows are fucking huge in the Wit Studio days. And I felt like they kind of downsized his eyebrows here with Mappa's version. I mean, I didn't get, like, it was a quick moment, so I didn't analyze it as, as well as Well, when you have did. a chance, <laughs> go look at his eyebrows. I mean, I, I just thought he looked fine. Like, I could tell it was Erwin, but, yeah. You know how people that, yeah, are. It's that Mappa versus Wit debate. Again. Yeah. Well, you, again, Armin is legit ready to, okay, here's my question. Is Armin legit ready to sacrifice himself for Connie's mom, or... Did he do this because he believed that Connie wouldn't let him die? Do you think mm. he was more motivated by um, giving up? Or was he more motivated by not knowing any other way to get Connie to stop trying to sacrifice Falco? Yeah, that's another interesting question. Because Armin does say, I'll let my actions talk because Connie tells him to shut up. And I don't know if that's something else Armin was planning. Like He banked on Connie being... The, the good person that he has always been throughout these years, knowing that he would save Armin since, you know, like the the cadets or Levi squad has been so tight for so long. Yeah, and Connie asked him afterwards what Armin's plan would have been if he didn't save him. And Armin's like, I don't know, I guess your mom would have just eaten me. But part of me is like, is Connie asking that because he realizes that Armin was banking on Connie saving him? I mean, maybe we'll never know, but I think it could kind of be a mixture of both or, I don't know, maybe one or the other. And then didn't Connie say that Armin getting eaten by his mother would be a detriment to her? Yeah, he says something... That's the same thing that would have happened if he fed Falco to her because she would have one of those Titan powers. Exactly. He says something along the lines of like, if you thought for a second, you would know that it would only make her suffer. And I'm like, bro, you're so stupid. You're doing the exact same thing just with a jaw tighten. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. 
to be honest, I thought this whole thing was a bit of a waste of time. Uh, yeah. Because like yeah. this all could have been avoided. Um, you know, if, if if Connie's mother were just in Shiganshina and he just took her there, <laughs> like this could have been um, exp- expedited or not just happen if Connie just thought a little bit harder. I feel but, like there weren't any consequences here. And I feel mm. like things just turned out okay almost too quickly. And that goes yeah. back to my earlier point about some of the pieces in this episode being almost too convenient. This is one of those things where it was just too convenient that Gabby and Armin happened to catch up with them. I mean, I know they rode their horses through the night mm-hmm. while um, Connie and Falco were camping out. But like it was almost too convenient that all of these things played out and that like just everyone was all happy and, and fine afterwards. Like Everyone was just yeah. like, okay, let's all go together back to fucking um whatever the town is called and meet up with everybody else like it just yeah it felt like there were no consequences here yeah because that like they all have pie later on in that village it's like no one's gonna talk about what the fuck just happened yeah i think the only Uh, consequence is really for falco because poor baby falco was crying about his brother like crying on on gabby's shoulder and i was like oh no i'm glad that part of me is glad we didn't have to experience him um finding out all that news but then part of me is also kind of like, I kind of wish we saw it. Like, just to see, experience, like, the emotion that he goes through. Because he's the one, of all the characters in the show, he's the one that's going to take this shit the hardest. He's mm-hmm. not fit for the army life. Like, he's just not fit for any of this. He's too pure-hearted to really deal with all of these emotions. And it's interesting that you say, like, he's not fit for the army life. Because I think uh, I talked about in the last episode, like, no... F- figuring out what Falco's reaction would have been to hearing that his brother was dead uh, and whether or not that would cause him to kind of go crazy on Connie, turn into the jaw Titan after he finds out he has the form, but he doesn't because he's you know, too Falco, good. Yeah. He's, he's too wholesome of a character to have like a, like a heart of vengeance um, in, in this case. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and, and kind of similarly, Connie also has kind of that heart of gold here because he remembers that he wants to become a soldier his mom would be proud of. And this is a huge turning point for Connie and his character development. Like we see a sudden change in his character through maybe this is the only takeaway. Maybe this is the reason they had to go to Ragako or whatever. Um, so he can have this Captain America moment. So that he can have. End. Yeah. So he can start his character development because we we're seeing him grow from being like a follower. He really has kind of just been the follower of the scouts. He just kind of tags along with Sasha or just does whatever Jean wants to do. Um, he also had lately has been like doubting and giving into emotions and like gets angry at like anytime someone brings up something about Aaron or whatever. Like he just is not as, uh, as like rational um, and uh, I don't like his head isn't quite on his shoulders, not because he's stupid, just because he hasn't been kind of like the lead individual. But now he is taking the lead, I think, alongside John, especially in this episode. So I feel like from the moment that the whole Ragako thing happened to the end of the episode, like we are seeing a serious change in Connie. Kind of in line with that, as Connie saves Armin and they're both lying on the ground, <laughs> I know well. Uh, one of our Discord users, Cardigan Backyard again, shared an image of this, and I'm sure there are going to be Connie Armin shippers everywhere. Carmin, is Carmine. that what they would be called? <laughs> but after that, after uh, after he saves Armin, you get a lingering shot of Connie's mother in her Titan form, like just her eye looking at him, 
And I'm kind of thinking, like, is is Connie's mother kind of contemplating what he's done, seeing that he's saved one of his friends? I know, like, Titans aren't sentient, unless it's, like, an abnormal Titan, but I'm wondering if she's taking that to heart with whatever sentence she might have and realizing that her son is still, like, he is becoming the splendid soldier that she wanted him to be. Yeah, that's a good point. And, of, of course, like, the... The believer in me wants to believe that she is able to process what's happening, but even not just symbolically to know that she, you see her eye up close, like she is watching what he is doing and he's staying true to the, you know, being the, the, the soldier he promised her that he would ultimately become and protect, you know, innocent people. That that was kind of a, a nice little nod there. The last thing that I want to say about this scene, um, there was a picture that I had found on Twitter again comparing a, uh, Connie's mother from when we saw her I want to say what season one or two one of those earlier seasons as she's lying on the house um, there's like visual continuity here because when we return to her position um, here in the final season like she's drooped a little bit like the house has kind of crumbled more under her weight oh uh, over the time that she's just been been lying on the house so nice that they had that and, and maybe that's it's just copying like the artwork of the manga but I just like how she's not still the same height that she was earlier when we first saw her sitting in the Ragago house. Interesting. Yeah, we'll post that um, that picture in the Discord server so so everyone can see it because I'm curious to compare and contrast those two shots. So then we move on to a shorter scene with Luis. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. What is the point of Luis? I'm just going to ask this straight up. Like, I don't get... Her point. She comes out of nowhere, and then she just kind of is a thorn in Mikasa's side. Like, is her point to show Mikasa how following someone or something blindly is ridiculous? Because I know that's kind of like a thing that Mikasa is dealing with. Like, she blindly follows Aaron because it's in her nature as an Ackerman. He's trying to tell her, you know, break free of that, you know, make your own freedom. And here, Mikasa has somebody who's blindly following her, like a fanatic. Um, and says that she quote unquote looks up to her and Mika says annoyed by her. Is that what Luis's point is? Or like, what do you think her point is? Okay. I didn't think about it that way. I thought she annoys me. I'm like, why are you here? (laughs) Why are you in this story? (laughs) I thought I read somewhere that Mikasa and Luis have a, a relationship that's developed more in the manga, but we didn't see that with the Wit Studio adaptation of the series. And so I think Mappa put it in here to kind of match their continuity to be closer in line with the manga interesting but, okay but yeah I, it's interesting that you say like Luis is kind of like she, i said like she's mikasa's number one fan and always lives up to her and like wants to kind of follow in her footsteps and then mikasa takes the scarf away from her at the end because we took the scarf as kind of symbolizing like mikasa being almost like enslaved yeah to like her ackerman ways right and it's just interesting that she takes the scarf away from luis's as if to say like stop following <laughs> well <laughs> even though luisa is on the point is at the point of death um, but no you're right because luis is not just holding the scarf she's wearing it like mm-hmm. mikasa would be and mikasa's like i want to get that scarf away from you not to throw it out but to get away from you. And then she says, well, Aaron actually told me that he wanted to take the scarf away from you. Um, 
But I think the context is slightly different here. I don't think Mikasa wants to, is trying to tell Luis, like, be free, break free of your fanaticism around me. Mm. She's probably just telling her, you're fucking annoying. Give me my goddamn <laughs> property back. Um, versus Aaron, who's trying to tell Mikasa, break free of, you know, the Ackerman, like, it's not a curse, right? It's just like the Ackerman way that's ingrained in you mm -hmm. and think more independently. Um, Plus, it, I think the scarf is like the last semblance of humanity that Mikasa sees in Aaron because that he gave her that scarf when they were children yeah yeah and it's so I, there's like sentimental value to it yeah I get why Aaron wants her to let go of the scarf for that reason but I also think like just the bond that they share and just how close they are and what they've been through together I think that's probably what drives Mikasa to want to keep it but I, I do love that Mikasa doesn't give her uh, Luis the time of day it's kind of how Aaron doesn't baby Mikasa anymore, at least as of season four, and kind of pushes her again to think independently. Here, Mikasa's like, get the fuck away from me, you crazy bitch. <laughs> Rest in peace. But, but if there's any manga readers who um, are able to confirm, if you want to reach out to one of us and confirm um, whether Luis's relationship with Mikasa is explored more in the manga versus the anime, please, no spoilers. No spoilers, no manga spo spoilers, please. But if you want to just at least let us know if that is true, that in the manga they, they show more of their relationship and it's a little more clear, then let us know. Because I am, I am curious about that. I'm also curious what else Aaron said about Mikasa to Luis. Or is she making it up? Well, you see the scene where she's like serving him food, like, like that kind of flashback. True. So you think Aaron would have like not in-depth conversations, but just tell her enough. Like, I, I'm just figuring, trying to figure out if Aaron does still genuinely care about Mikasa. I like to think so, because I'm team Aaron Mikasa, so that's that's me, but we'll, we'll find out eventually, I guess. I'm excited for when the three of them have their actual conversation. Like, they've got to have a one, you know, like one last conversation before the show is completely finished i'm sure like i feel it yeah. in my gut there's no way isayama wouldn't have a, at least one final conversation between the main trio because the last one didn't really count gabby was there that doesn't count okay i want just the three of them to talk that's it yeah this better not pull like a star wars sequel trilogy people probably know what i'm referring to there <laughs> i don't but tell me later <laughs> um so then we get the scene with the pie. And my first question, I'm, I'm just full of questions today, but my first question is, how did no one notice they were sitting next to one another? Like, how did Annie not hear them, like, sit down and chat until Armin happened to say her name? And how did they not look to see who they were sitting down next to? Because it's not like her face is really that covered. She just has a cloak on. Because she was dying for pie. Was <laughs> Which so... is my favorite SpongeBob episode. My number one favorite SpongeBob episode. I love it. Also, like the scene where like Annie realizes she's sitting next to Armin, that looks just, it's so cartoony. Didn't you notice that? It is. It's very cartoony. But I kind of enjoyed that because it played into the comedic relief that we have yeah. in this moment. Because that doesn't happen often. We don't often have moments like that to breathe in Attack on Titan. Um, it kind of almost gave me Wit Studio vibes. Mm-hmm. A little bit, yeah. But that Annie face has also become an emoji on our server, as we mentioned <laughs> before. So yes, it is. It is there for everyone's use. I just like how she like she f tried to finish chewing as quickly as she could, but 
Like, what was she going to do after that? <laughs> probably run away. <laughs> but no, it is it is funny to see Annie in that position. And it's probably why Connie laughs, because she's always been the cool-headed person, the badass. And here she's panicking because she's stuffing her face full of pie. And I saw a tweet, and unfortunately, I haven't been able to find it. But I saw a tweet that said, I would choke on my food, too, if I saw Armin looking this hot after four years. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, honestly. <laughs> but... You'd think that there'd be more weight with these characters finally interacting with each other again after like four years, um, especially with Annie being in the crystal. But, you know, like they, they have their look at each other and they're all shocked. And then Connie just starts laughing stupidly. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, like you said, it, it's great comic relief, but it's like, Bro, don't you remember how she twirled a scout like a yo-yo? Oh, my God. <laughs> I hated that part. Oh, God. And I don't know if you shared this in one of our chats or where I saw this, but it was a picture that showed Connie laughing at Annie, like stuffing her face, and then showed like thought bubbles where he was remembering Sasha always mm. stuffing her face. Was that you? Did you share that? Where did I see that? It might have been someone... I don't know if it was someone in our Discord or one of our friends. It may have. have been. If I can find it, then I'll I'll repost it. But yeah, it was like it was that scene of him laughing, but then on the side were like these thought bubbles where he was remembering Sasha eating the lobster and Sasha trying to eat that piece of meat and uh, Connie's like choking her out and John's trying to take the meat away from her. And it was kind of like, oh, that's sad because maybe he is laughing because part of it just reminds him of his friend. Well, I actually looked up the last time we saw Connie laughing this stupidly. Um, I think it was in season three when they were retaking Shiganshina and they watched Berthold in his colossal titan form throwing houses and kind of like trying to stop the um, stop the, the scouts offense. And he makes a joke about one of those houses being Aaron's house. But it, it like <laughs> you have to listen yeah. like it, you have to listen to it in the context of the like the Japanese words, because I think it makes more sense like he makes a like a pun basically mm -hmm. and it's just so dumb because like it's a serious moment as, back then it was a serious moment as, as here too like it's it's you're seeing annie for the first time it's so it's kind of like connie doesn't know how to read the room he's stupid <laughs> yeah, so I, I, i'll share a link to that clip from season three um but i guess with this thing of these characters moving on even though they all have probably probably have like insidious pasts and grudges against each other i think it makes sense for them to move on in this moment because the world is pretty much on the brink of exploding with the rumbling going on and there's really no time to like address that shit yeah but i, I just think it's weird because the the characters freak out anytime they run into an enemy like for example the beginning of this episode magath and peak running into hanj and levi but they don't freak out about Annie, despite her being one of the most dangerous characters in the show. Mm -hmm. And they just immediately join forces. Like, again, this is one of those moments in this episode that just feels a little too convenient. Um, I, I just, it's so odd to me. And I, I want, I hope we get more context around their actual conversation um, at that, that table, maybe in like a later episode, because I'm just so curious to know what they said to Annie to convince her and how they actually reacted to her being back again because Armin was freaking out two episodes ago right was it two episodes ago when Gabby revealed that mm -hmm. Aaron undid all the hardening yeah and I was almost I think you kind of were nodding at this earlier but I was almost expecting a very epic moment of Annie and Armin coming face to face 
or really Annie and anyone coming face to face because they were we have been wondering about Annie for like four years in the show, like eight, eight years, years, real time. Yeah, real time. And this is the reunion. Like this is the the reuniting of of Annie and everyone else. And it's comedic humor instead of just like this epic moment that we've all been waiting for. You know what it is? It's subverting expectations. That that is true. <laughs> I also again, it's it, it's the whole thing is just stupid. But I think the funniest. Like one of the other funny things is Armin defending Annie because um, like he got, she hasn't eaten a pie in four years. Because <laughs> like, Armin's Armin, like, this is my girlfriend. Yeah, Leave her Armin, alone. that's your dick talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, last thing I want to say about this scene again that YouTube channel Monkey Trouble has just been on fire with their AOT like SpongeBob memes. There is a video for this moment um, that's called "That Thing's Green," <laughs> and it takes. Um, audio from the the SpongeBob episode where he's selling pretty patties. And, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so I, I will definitely share that um, in the Discord. Last thing I'll say, poor Hitch. You could tell she was really bummed uh, out. Yeah. I mean, not only because everyone ditched her, but I think ditch Hitch <laughs> between her helping Annie escape in the last episode, and I think them probably having this unspoken bond of being former roommates she probably feels a little left out like she she was probably looking forward to helping annie and then annie was like bye yeah i wonder if this will be the last we see of hitch but oh maybe i get i think i mentioned last episode there is some sort of connection between her and flock um so i don't know if that's gonna become a factor at all if she ends up like going back to shiganshina and realizing what the hell flock is doing Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Wait, I just realized we have our big questions. Some of these have been answered now. So let's go through this again really quick. All right. Our big question, um, one of them is around what the hell is Aaron doing? What is his ultimate plan? Mm -hmm. um, we got the answer to why did the owl know about Mikasa and Armin? Mm -hmm. We've now gotten the answer to like when the fuck is Annie coming out of the crystal? Mm -hmm. and there's one more. Did we write this down anywhere? No, we did not. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had like a fourth one that we added on later, and now I can't remember what the fuck it was. Maybe it wasn't important enough if I don't remember what it was. <laughs> well, maybe one of our diligent listeners can remind us. Yeah, someone please help us. I don't. I can't believe we forgot this. But anyway, the the three big questions have. Oh no, two of the three big questions have been answered. Um, although now you could probably put in there, like, is where Zeke at? Was it where Levi was? If oh, Levi's yeah, alive. Yeah, yeah. Where the fuck is Le okay, yeah, so that's <laughs> so that another. one's been answered. We know Levi's alive. We know why the owl knows about Mikasa and Armin. We know well, Annie's back. The last question is what the fuck is Aaron up to? Yeah. That's the biggest question of all. And, and that's the one yeah, left. We are like physically so distant from Aaron, like physically and I guess literally in the story, um, that we can't say what his intentions are. Obviously he's marching towards Marley with the wall titans, but it's just weird, like how many episodes has it been since he activated the rumbling? Like two or three? Yeah. And there's only, I think, after this, it'll be four episodes left. I'm curious to know in the show how many days have passed because here we see the last of the Colossal Titans passing through or the Wall Titans passing through, but it's also been like a day or two minimum. Well, Hanj mentions back when she was killing off the last of the Jaegers pursuers that it's been about a day and a half since the Jaegers went to Zeke 
or the Jaegers and Zeke went to Shiganshina. The Jaegerists or the Jaegers? Oh, yeah, the Jaeger the family. The Jaegers and the Jaegers. Uh, and then that same, I guess that same evening or whenever that was, uh, she has the, the Zoom conference call where Aaron calls everybody. So presumably like it's, two and a half days? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. That's a wild two and a half days. But then we get um, brought to the moment where Yelena and Onyankopon are like up for execution, essentially. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time we're hearing Yelena say anything since she um, realized that Zeke is missing. And she just says, are you going to fucking do it already? <laughs> like, you can tell she's really just given up now that she, she thinks that Zeke is gone. And he might be. I don't know. Like, I, I always say, if you don't see him die on screen, they're probably not dead. Um, Kanja alludes th- this, too, that she thinks Aaron is holding on to Zeke to continue to use the Founding Titan's power with yeah, his be- blood. It would be dumb if he killed off Zeke. Like I said, he- Zeke's probably just dangling from one of the, the ribs of that huge <laughs> one of Founding the ribs. Titan. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have um, poor Onion Coupon pleading to the soldiers, saying that he just wanted to help his homeland, but help Paradise at the same time. And he's just trying to reason with these idiots and I just feel for him because he's just in this moment of desperation, but also disbelief that all of this is happening. Like he he's had great intentions this entire time. And yet here he is about to be executed. Yeah. To make a Star Wars reference, the Eldian Empire has become the very thing they sought to destroy. Oh, my God. And, and then again, you have Flock with the big ass head. <laughs> the big ass head. <laughs> oh, no. Like still thinking he's all that. Um, giving these, like these propaganda fueled speeches. I don't know. This guy just needs to go away. <laughs> well, then Jean shoots the gun four times and just in the most nonchalant way says, "Oops, I missed." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "That's great. I love it. I love Jean." And then Jean, quote unquote, saves Flock when the Cart Titan is approaching them. But I think that's probably a, a fake out. So that they think that Pete was trying to kill them, mm-hmm. right? Like he's, he's probably trying to convince Flock that he didn't know this was coming. He's trying to save his life. Although part of me is like, just take Flock too. Just take Flock and then kill him. Like, why don't you just grab Flock as well? Although he is holding a gun. So I don't know. That could be dangerous. But then I don't think Flock ultimately falls for it because he immediately realizes that Mikasa is missing. Right. And this kind of has similarities to how uh, the scouts took away Zeke um, back at the during the raid in Liberio and Marley, um, how that was supposed to be a fake out as well. And then Magath and Peak, actually Peak figured it out immediately. Mm-hmm. Well, then you have the moment where the other scouts are taking supplies out of the fort from like the back end of the fort. And then uh, Annie turns around and there's somebody looking in the window. And I was trying to figure out who that was, but then you paused at, at an interesting point. Do you want to describe what you saw? Yeah. So at first I thought it was... Uh, Shady's potato sergeant because the silhouette looked like it had a bald head but um, you get another shot within that room where this figure is standing and you can kind of see their uniform from the side and if you look close enough you can see the edge of what looks like the cadet's emblem which is the one with the crossed swords so my theory is that this might be a Jaegerist, but I also think since it's like if it's a person with the shaved head, there was that one 
Jaegerist cadet, yeah, the Jaegerist cadet that Shad, Shadis, Sadies, whatever, was Shadis? talking to, yeah, um, who had the glasses, and he also had a shaved head. Yeah, that's true. The one that like turned in Shadis's favor. Yeah, so I don't know if that's who is watching them, or what their intentions are going to be now that he knows that they're fleeing. If they, they're going to tell Flock, um, and then to kind of establish that there's. They're still on the Jaeger side, although Sadis secretly told them like this could be your time to rise up later. My, I'm I'm betting my money on the fact that it's a cadet that is a true Jaegerist and will tell Flock so that Flock knows where they went. Flock will go find them. He'll cause more problems because that's what he does best. Um, I think that's how it's probably going to play out. But who knows? Again, this is Isayama we're talking about. This could be a total mind fuck. So we will we'll see at some point. I'm sure when someone catches up with them, they'll they'll reveal who was looking in the window. So then after that whole um, fiasco, we have Jean barfing in the <laughs> river and complaining about being in a titan mouth. And then Hanj doing what she does best and asking Peek if she brushes her teeth um, while she's in her month's worth of titan form. Yeah, the second toothbrush. Yeah, so, and she was so innocent <laughs> when she asked it. She was just like genuinely curious, like, do you brush your teeth since you stay in that titan form for months on end? And then Peek has the straight face answer like that. You don't ask that to a lady <laughs> <laughs> but i had to say i love jean my sundere boy of attack on titan i will always believe in jean even in this moment where they're trying to bait us into thinking that he switched back to his old selfish ways and now he's a jaegerist and he's gonna kill on Capone. hell no jean is still a real one he's the best and here's my not dark knight reference but my batman begins reference. oh god john is really embodying the quote it's not who i am underneath but what i do that defines me his flock was saying you can revert to your old sundere self and retire as a hero of the eldian empire but john obviously didn't want to retire because he knows there's still work to do and he especially says those ashy bones would never forgive me and i think he's probably like he's probably referencing all the the scouts and the comrades that he's met throughout the years and befriended but i want to think it's also him thinking back to marco oh yeah that's right and yeah even before that he says that he just wanted to plug his ears and basically stay ignorant of the situation like he knows who he is or who the person he has been and mm -hmm. he you know he just wants to live that cushy life in the inner walls like he originally said in, in the beginning of the show um but you're right like there's there's too much at stake here and he's become too much of a leader to let them all down now but He's still a Sundere because he got all flustered when Onyankopon thanked him for whatever he did. He's like, I don't understand what you're saying, but thank you for what you did. And then he splashes <laughs> Onyankopon with water and he's like, shut up. Like, just pure Sundere fashion. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. <laughs> he didn't want to get all emotional and gushy. He just wanted to keep that Sundere facade. <laughs> but I, okay, so I, I brought this up earlier. Now is the time to talk about it. And it's the logistics of Marley and the scouts teaming up. You have Onyan Capone who asks John, when the fuck did you team up with Marley? And John says they partnered up last night. And I'm thinking, okay, but how did the scouts get into contact with Magath and Peek and Hunch and Levi? Like, did Armin and Connie just happen to fucking run into them on their way back into town? Like, mm. is this why Armin wanted Gabby on their side so that she could be part of the the process to convince Magath and Peek to team up with them? 
Like, this is a big logistical question that has not been answered. And I'm just wondering, how the fuck did all of you come together when half of you were in the fucking forest and then half of you were back in Shingon, China, or wherever the fuck, but then, like, a small part of you were coming back from Ragako? How did that logistically come together in one night? Yeah, I'm trying to think back to the previous episode. Armin left Mika's... Mikasa saying, go help John however you can. And so they couldn't have established a plan there. Um, Like, the only thing I can think of is that, again, Armin, Gabby, Falco, and Connie ride back from Ragako towards Shingan... I can't say it. Shingan, China? Mm -hmm. And then on the way, they run into Magus and Peak and company. They say, hey, we need your help on this shit. Let's coordinate a plan. And then Armin and Connie go back to meet up with Jean and Mikasa that night, and that's when they're able to relay the details of the plan to them. But before that, but they would have Andy with them, wouldn't they? Because didn't they go to a town to eat? Like, I don't... I, logistically, no, yeah. I don't know what's happening here. No, because I think all of this takes place from over the span of a night and a morning because we see the shot in the beginning of the episode with Mikasa and Jean sleeping, right? That's what... Because then you get the shot of Armin and Gabby leaving. So if that's the night that's presumed when the plan was put into action, how could it have been? If how were... could Armin have known I'm going to run into Peak and right. Agatha and talk? Like I just I need clarity on this, and maybe we'll get that clarity in the next episode. But that's like the big thing here in this episode that just left me very confused. I'm like unless, how the fuck did this all come together? Unless Peak is the key piece, because um, I don't know if like she. Because she got was in her cart titan form, um, Hanj implies or like learns that she can stay in that form for months, and so I don't know if they had sent Peak over to like rendezvous or recon whoever was left in Shiganshina and but, then relay the news to them. But then she would have had to change back into a human because there's no way she could navigate right. that area and not immediately be With noticed her, by somebody. Yeah, her groveling voice too. <laughs> I, I just like... I need answers to that because yeah. I think that's if we don't get answers to that I feel like that is way too convenient for the way Isayama writes things mm. and maybe it's just the way they they adapted it in the anime maybe in the manga it is more fleshed out if it is manga readers someone just let me know that again no spoilers please but just give me that confirmation if if maybe they caught that out of the anime for time's sake but to me as an anime only person that is super confusing. I feel like we're going to get an explanation probably in the opening sequence of the next episode, episode 84. Because, uh, yeah, there's just too many dangling threads here that need to be sewn together for us to understand how this all played out. And it's very much unlike Attack on Titan to do that. So, yeah, I hope we get some clarity. But in the last scene, the very last scene of this episode, Reiner's probably like, what the fuck is happening? Like, all yeah, he wanted been, to he's do he's been asleep for like half a, a day and a half actually. <laughs> all he wanted to do was die, and now all these people are here to drag his ass back into the fray. But I think the most impressive part of all of this is Connie being the one to say the Avengers assemble line, and I think this goes back to his character development. This episode really has been a turning point for him. Like he may be stupid, but he's not going to be that follower anymore. He's ready to be a leader, a contributor and the soldier that his mom can be proud of. Because it could have been mm -hmm. anyone in that room. It, it should have been Armin, logically, to say, we're going to go save the world. Or even John, because he's become more of a leader. John's but not there, though. He's with, oh, right, right, right. That's he's right. with Hans's group. 
So then you think that the next logical person would be like, I don't know, fucking anyone else but Connie. But Connie is the one who says, we're going to go save the world. I think this is him embracing his true duty as a soldier um, and stepping up to the plate after all the shit that went down in his hometown. I'm just thinking more of what Reiner's reaction is right now to seeing all this unfold because I think the first person to kick him awake is Annie, who he hasn't seen in four years. Then behind him is like all the scouts that he used to team up with. I know. I, I <laughs> It's like a, like a culture shock to him. Before we started recording, I was typing notes and I don't know if you noticed, I was laughing to myself because mm. I was like, let's just, let's just think about this for a second. Like imagine to your point, being Reiner, just wanting to die, thinking that all the fighting is finally over because there's nothing anyone can do to stop Aaron. Remember Gabby asked him that and he's like, there's nothing we can fucking do. Like this is happening. Mm-hmm. And then Reiner gets smacked in the head and ripped awake to see fucking Annie standing in front of him. Like, holy shit, of all people, Annie. And then, to your point, the room behind him is full of people he betrayed. (laughs) (laughs) And then Connie, of all people, says to him, hurry up, we gotta go, there's no time. And Reiner asks, go where? (laughs) What are you fucking talking about? And then he just says to go save the world. Like, Reiner must be beyond confused (laughs) in this moment. Can you imagine waking up to this situation? The guy's probably like, am I like already dead? What is happening right now? Yeah, it's kind of like if someone threw ice water in your face and someone else just slaps you after that. And then a third person comes in and lights you on fire and says, we gotta go save the world. Like, that's (laughs) that is what Reiner's experiencing. The guy has had so much shit happen to him. He's done with it, and yet here he is is being dragged right back in he just wants to be left alone to die like, <laughs> so just like, like we've been making all these avengers references and you know the way that this this scene is portrayed it looks like the avengers have assembled um but connie's line also just gives me vibes of what is that line from mean girls it's like the get in loser we're, we're saving we're going the, shopping yeah, <laughs> get in loser we're saving the world um but i guess the, the last thing i'll make in reference last thing i'll say in reference to the avengers uh one of my friends kevin has a tiktok where he posts like anime stuff and he he put one of this scene putting it together with the avengers music and it just sounds it just makes the scene even more epic it worked really well (laughs) yeah so i can drop a link to that in the discord but uh, for the tiktok users out there it's kriya the average k-r-i-a um and yeah it just works so well if you want to check out that video. So then we have the preview for the next episode. And um, really, I don't know if there were any shots of anything that that struck me as like, holy shit, I can't wait. But I just anticipate this episode's going to the next episode's going to be full of conflict because I think there's going to be some honest dialogue from both sides as they're sitting around the campfire. And I can't wait. Like, I appreciate really good action sequences and all that, but I equally appreciate just really conflicting moments between characters and seeing the human nature and how they navigate those situations. And I think we're going to get that with the next episode. Yeah, we didn't get much besides the the scenes at the campfire. So to your point, I think this is going to be like a, a boil. there's going to be a boiling point with this tense and precarious alliance between all of these people who probably still hold, like I said, they hold grudges against each other, but they kind of have to put that on the side because, like, doomsday is upon them. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe they can all unwind with a nice, relaxing campfire song. 
but <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be the next uh spongebob yeah, thing that they do they're probably gonna do the campfire <laughs> song for the next episode i can only wait <laughs> yeah it'll be armin trying to keep the peace by singing <laughs> singing an old eldian folk song for everybody and so that brings us to our final thoughts for attack on titan the final season episode 83 pride so in light of the genius documentary out on netflix right now how many i miss the old connie a's out of 10 wow you give this episode? <laughs> um okay so i'm struggling at first i wanted to give it an eight out of ten but i think i may give it a seven and a half out of ten just because it left me with a lot of questions and certain things just felt a little too convenient um a little too predictable like it just it didn't feel as um well written as pretty much most episodes of attack on titan are um i don't know it just it, it felt like i was watching a regular anime versus attack on titan mm. which is like not a slight to any other anime it's just the writing is so incredible in this show that i felt like this didn't fit that that mold so i'm gonna go seven and a half out of ten but overall it was such a fun episode and seeing everyone back together breathed new life into me i cannot wait for next episode what about you yeah i'm kind of teetering on the same score i think i was gonna give it an eight but i think i'm gonna give it a seven and a half so docking just a half point off for me i think it's just mostly <laughs> connie's kind of fruitless excursion um again it if he didn't end up going to Ragako, like you wouldn't have had this kind of like like it, it was important for his character development yeah but again this could have all been avoided if he just thought a little harder but other than that thought uh, a little hard that's a lot to ask of Connie. Uh, yes, <laughs> um, and again we mentioned like the the logistics the the inconsistency of the logistics in this episode although i'm sure that'll be addressed in the next one hopefully um but this episode did still keep me invested after seeing all of these different scattered groups and factions within parodies like unite under one cause, even if that means they're still in opposition to Aaron. Um, and I just wanted to briefly talk about the episode title Pride. I think it's referring to something that Flock says during the um, botched execution. Um, Is Pride worth dying for? And I just think the title episode, the title of the episode, is so interesting because here we see old enemies kind of put aside their differences, whereas under normal circumstances, they all probably would have died out of a sense of pride and like championing their respective causes. With that being like the Marley and the World Against Parodies, but I think Pride was the right episode title for a different reason, in that each of these characters kind of swallow their sense of pride by undertaking this very unique, very extraordinary operation to kind of undermine their respective authorities by saving the world from Eren together. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I didn't think about how the episode title tied into the actual episode, but that makes sense. And this kind of leads me to think, is this what Eren wanted? where he's brandishing himself as public enemy number one to have Eldia and the world kind of unite against him in a way to show like Eldia can live harmoniously with their global neighbors if they're given a chance to work alongside everyone else. Well, that's a good point. And we keep asking this question every episode or so. 
Um, we haven't had a lot of, we haven't had any Aaron insight in the last several episodes, but as things are kind of unfolding around him, same question, do we still feel like we're team Aaron? Do we still believe mm. in Aaron and whatever his ultimate plan is? Well, I have to, Shinzo wo mai sasage yo. I don't even know if that's the correct translation, <laughs> and dedicate my heart to Aaron. So you, you're definitely still team Aaron then? Yes. Yeah, I am too. And I, it, to your point, like I didn't even think about that. To your point, I think this is showing us perhaps what he is striving for at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm excited. But there's only four episodes left. Oops. Like, <laughs> I don't know how they're going to cover so much, especially with the next one being another a talk on Titan. <laughs> a talk on Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Otaku Melancholy. Yeah. Um, or if like maybe the final episode, I know it's delayed uh, by an extra week. If they're planning to do that as like a, an hour special or like a 90 minute thing instead of making it a movie, which I know everyone's still speculating, but. I, there's, I think there's still so much ground to cover, and four episodes does not seem like a lot of time to do that. Yeah, manga readers have been hinting at that pretty hard on like Twitter and, and Reddit. Um, luckily with no spoilers, but um, yeah, if the manga readers are saying that there's no way they can cover the rest of the show in four episodes, I believe it. And as I've said before, like ultimately whatever MAPPA decides to do in order to finish the adaptation, I'm... I'm on board so long as it gives the show the proper ending that it deserves. I just want it to be a clean, epic, like historic ending and not have anything rushed, have no issues with animation or adaptation or anything like that. Like just do what you got to do, Mappa, to get it done right. But as always, thank you everyone for joining us once again for another Attack on Titan special episode as we wind down with the the last few of the season. We'll keep you posted if we hear any news about how the season will end, if there's going to be an extended episode at the end, if there's going to be a movie, who knows, but we will keep you posted. And that wraps up the special episode of Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday and when new AOT episodes are released every Wednesday. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll find more info on Strictly JoJo, our other podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageo. Shinzo wa sasageo.